Hi, this is Gaurav Palkar. And this is Salil Palkar. We are the founders of Mumbai-based Two Down Beer Company and the hosts of this podcast. This is episode two of To the Point, and we are discussing India Pale Ale. It probably is counterintuitive that we are discussing IPAs this early in the podcast, but there are a few reasons behind it. Here's a fact: Gaurav and I both love IPAs, and we are very excited to talk about it. Here's another fact: in the U.S. retail market, IPA is the second most sold style after Pilsner, mm. of course. You'll agree when I say that in Maharashtra, we have seen it in craft beer festivals and at restaurants that the craft beer enthusiasts' curiosity around IPAs far exceeds that for any other style. True. This is the consumer side of the story. As a brewer, what excites you about this style? As a brewer, there is a huge scope for experimentation when it comes to IPA. Mm. I mean, just look at the different types of IPAs that have emerged over the past few years. and right. even the number of variations within a particular type of ipa i think it's safe to say that ipas are a big deal in the craft beer world oh and obviously there's the india connection that dates back to the 18th century of course so let's begin the discussion on ipa with the india connection because that is how the style was born so the british used to export beers to their colonies beer needs to be stored at lower temperatures But when beer was exported to countries with tropical climate like ours, the beer got spoiled due to bacterial infection by the time it reached India. Mm. After years of trial and error, brewers realized that if you added tons of hops to beer, not only does the beer taste good, but it also doesn't go bad because hops have preservative properties that retard beer spoiling bacteria. Right. Another change that happened around this time was that brewers could brew paler beers due to advancement in malting technology. Mm. Now back in Britain, pubs started selling these heavily hopped pale ales as East India Pale Ale. Mm. The IPA as a style is a descendant of these East India Pale Ales. But most of the IPAs that we have access to today are very different from the East India Pale Ales of 18th century, right? That's right. Uh, most of the IPAs that we come across these days are American IPAs. Mm. Modern IPAs are hoppy pale ales which means bitter and aromatic pale ales that are brewed to celebrate hops characteristics. Hmm. It's always very exciting to read hoppy in any beer description, right? Yeah. And I had this impression that it only meant that a lot of hops were added. Which is true of course, but there is a lot more to it than just the quantity of hops, right? Yeah, that's right. It depends on how the hops are used, what type of hops are used, and at what stage of the process they are used. Let's not get technical, but if I have to simplify things, I would say hops are added in pre-fermentation processes for bitterness, flavors, and aromas. Hops are at times added post-fermentation to give beer an intense aroma. So, if a beer description reads dry hopped with a certain hop variety or or more. it means that those hops have been added post fermentation primarily for aroma exactly and there are quite a few hop varieties that are known for their wonderful aromas mm. that are extensively used for dry hopping ipa is often described as a hop forward style that means the flavor balance is tilted towards the hop characteristic which means it is bitter this bitterness is most commonly quantified using a scale called ibu which stands for international bittering unit Now IBU is not restricted to IPAs but IPA is a style where it is most relevant. 
Yes, IBU is a fairly good indicator of how bitter a beer is. To give you an example, a Brewdog's Punk IPA is 45 IBUs, while a Budweiser is close to 10 IBUs. So over time and across geographies, the brewers have interpreted this style in a variety of ways, while of course retaining the primary characteristics of hop bitterness and aroma. Yeah. And that is pretty much why so many types of IPAs exist today. There's no end to it really, but we can broadly classify these types into three categories: English IPAs, American IPAs and specialty IPAs. So let's talk about these categories now. Sure. So where do you want to start? Let's talk about English IPAs first because that's where it all started. Perfect. Take it away. Right. So English IPAs obviously have hop bitterness as a key characteristic. but what gives them the unique character are the english hop varieties like uh, goldings and fuggles that impart wonderful earthy floral spicy notes another key feature of english ipas is that they have a pronounced malt character that is described as toasty and biscuity right you know personally i have always been curious about english ipas and that's because they are rare yeah even in england you will hardly find any modern day craft brewery that brews an english ipa In fact most of the IPAs that we see around are American IPAs. Hmm. So you brewed an English IPA earlier this year. Yep. We called it one more that's MO because we used Marisotter which is a premium English barley variety. Yeah I'm a big fan of Marisotter and I wanted to showcase the subtle earthy East Kent Goldings hops that are quite different than the American varieties. Another example of an English IPA that I can think of is Toit's uh, Colonial Toit. Yeah. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. The English IPAs are quite subtle as compared to their American counterparts, right? Yep, that's correct. Hmm. So you want to talk about American IPAs now? Before we do that, I have an interesting trivia to share about this town Burton upon Trent in Central England. Burton is known for its breweries which have been making hoppy pale ales. for close to 2 centuries one of the main reasons why these hoppy pale ales taste so good is that the water source of these breweries has high levels of calcium sulfate and calcium sulfate accentuates hop character so brewers all over the world have been altering their water profile by adding salts to match burton's water profile mm. to brew an ipa that is and this includes american ipas yes of course great so let's discuss those now <laughs> So I came across a very interesting description of American IPAs. It said American IPAs are descendants of the historical English style brewed with American ingredients and attitude. Now, ingredients bit is self-explanatory, but I found the mention of attitude very interesting. Tough to say what the author was referring to, but what are some of the things that we know about the Americans? One is there is a lot of regional pride and you see that in food as well. Mm. like there's a brooklyn pizza there's a chicago pizza there is new york cheesecake and it's quite a long list and they like excess of everything their portion sizes are quite legendary so if i have to connect the dots i can understand where the author was coming from when he said american attitude and look at the world of ipas there's west coast ipa there's east coast ipa there's pacific northwest ipa there's new england ipa and of course there are imperial ipas that are strong and have loads and loads of hops we'll discuss these substyles in this section but why did america start brewing ipas short answer easy availability of hops mm. 
you can find a variety of locally grown hops in the United States. Uh, one of my favorite hop varieties, Amarillo, was discovered in a hop yard in Washington. Right. So IPAs naturally became the style of choice for most of the new craft breweries. So hop variety was one of the reasons behind the genesis of these sub-styles of IPAs that exist today. Right. So the breweries on West Coast realized that there was an abundance of incredible hops growing in their backyard. So they brewed these bitter, bright beers that had fruity, citrusy, piney, floral hop aromas. Breweries on East Coast also had access to great hop varieties. But they made less bitter, maltier and more balanced IPAs, closer to what English IPAs are. And one of the reasons was proximity to England. Mm. So in a way, the degree of influence of English IPA separates the East Coast IPAs from the West Coast ones. But overall, the American hops are known for their citrusy, tropical fruit-like piney aromas. Amarillo, Cascade, Chinook are some examples. Whereas the English hops are known for their earthy, spicy and floral notes. Let's move on to double IPAs now. The famous beer journalist Joshua Bernstein describes this style as IPA on steroids. That's quite accurate. Double IPAs are brewed with double the quantity of hops than an average IPA. Now, double the hops means more malt was used to balance the bitterness. It means more sugars were available for fermentation. Which means the alcohol percent is quite high, typically in the range of 8 to 10%. And because the alcohol percent is higher than usual, it is also referred to as Imperial IPA. Right. Now, the brewers have historically kept pushing the envelope when it comes to how much hops to add to a beer. Triple IPA is not very uncommon. And there are these 1000 IBU, 2000 IBU beers. I mean, where do you draw the line? Yeah, there's no limit to it. Beyond a certain point, human tongue can't perceive more bitterness. Mm. So when you say someone's made a 2000 IBU beer, it's mostly a marketing gimmick. And of course, someone who tries it gets bragging rights. That's that. So now that we have discussed English IPAs and American IPAs, we'll conclude this segment on types of IPAs with a broad category, which is specialty IPAs. Now, this can be a, a never-ending discussion if we cover all the types that are being brewed under this category. Yeah. But we'll limit the discussion to the popular styles and also a couple of styles that we have brewed. So we have shortlisted three styles for this segment. New England IPA, Milkshake IPA and Belgian IPA. So let's begin with New England IPA, also called as Nipa. So Nipa is currently one of the most trending styles. You could call it a hazier, juicier version of an American IPA. Mm. Now the hazy, almost opaque-like appearance comes from large quantities of hops that are added post-fermentation. Right. Another characteristic is that its grain mill or the mix of grains used in brewing often contains some high-protein grains like oats or wheat. Mm. This gives it a smoother mouthfeel. So the intense tropical fruit-like hop aromas coupled with a smooth mouthfeel gives you an impression that you are drinking a fruit juice. Right. Moving on to milkshake IPAs now. Uh, this is another style under the hazy IPA category. Mm. Milkshake IPAs are basically hazy IPAs with milk sugar, fruits and lots of hops in it. By milk sugar, I mean lactose. Right. Uh, the milkshake IPAs have a smooth mouthfeel. 
and some brewers also add vanilla to it mm. it's basically childhood in a pint glass <laughs> good one we brewed a pineapple milkshake ipa last year for tap yeah quite an experience wasn't it Oh, very unique experience. I must admit, I had not even heard about the style until you mentioned it to me before tapped. Mm. And I remember when we had it for the first time, we both were quite elated that it was exactly how we had imagined it to be. Yeah. And it got great reviews at the fest as well. But I think some of the IPA lovers were kind of disappointed when they read pineapple milkshake as a prefix. It came across as quite irreverent to them. Mm. I think a lot of them misinterpreted the name. Pineapple milkshake was thought of as an adjective for the IPA when actually the beer was a milkshake IPA that had pineapple right so maybe we could have called it pineapple cream IPA since cream IPA is also an accepted name for milkshake IPA i think it could have made for better optics maybe <laughs> yeah and now we come to the last type of IPA that we are discussing today it's the belgian IPA it's quite unique almost like a cocktail of styles yeah totally the ipa bug has bitten the belgian brewers as well after seeing how popular american ipas had become somewhere around the year 2005 belgian brewers started brewing their own version of an ipa typically most belgian beers are boozy and they have a distinct flavor derived mainly from the yeast that is used for fermentation that produces fruity spicy funky notes mm. the belgian brewers realized that these were really well with the citrusy zesty american hops that's how the belgian ipa style was born so this is probably the only type of ipa where the yeast provides such prominent flavors right belgian ipas are an acquired taste but they certainly grow on you with time mm. just a side note some ipas are labeled session ipas now the word session refers to our drinking sessions where you typically have more than one drink So a session IPA is that IPA which you can have more than one of. These have less than five percent alcohol. Now that we have discussed the various types of IPAs, I want to spend some time talking about how we can enjoy an IPA. And I'm using the word enjoy and not appreciate because I think appreciate makes it seem very serious. And any beer, no matter how complex it is, should never be intimidating. Let me start with my own example. In 2018 when I was planning my US trip, I happened to read a lot about Russian River Brewing Company's Pliny the Elder, their double IPA. And I was quite fascinated to read about the kind of cult following that the beer has and it's often regarded as the best IPA in the world. But when I actually had the beer in San Francisco at a bar called Toronado, I had completely forgotten about what I had read about it. All I knew was and I think it happened by the time I finished the second gulp that it was the best beer I had ever had. And by the time I finished it, I never tried to rationalize why I liked it or what I liked about it. But just that the experience of having it was unlike anything I had experienced before. And then when I had it the second time, I tried to articulate what I liked about it. And that's when I realized it was very well balanced. I also remember a distinct aroma of guavas. and i did this mental exercise because i had a great experience the first time yeah i know what you mean from a brewer's perspective i cannot expect every beer drinker to get every single thing our beer has to offer in terms of flavors and aromas sure but a great drinking experience is what matters the most mm. 
I cannot not think like a brewer when I'm enjoying an IPA or any beer for that matter. But I'll tell you what I look for in an IPA. I'll first look at what style it is and make mental notes about what to expect from it. So is the IPA clear or is it hazy enough? Is the bitterness cloying or is it balanced? Are the hop aromas overpowering or are they subtle? But most importantly for me, can I have more than a glass? Yeah, same here. I remember having some of those double dry hopped imperial oat cream IPAs that Adharaf makes in New York. And when I found them nice and I had them, but would I have a second glass of those IPAs? I don't think so. So, any special IPAs you want to mention, Gaurav? I want to talk about two IPA drinking experiences that I remember vividly. First one was in 2016 in Edinburgh when I had Brewdog's Punk IPA for the first time. Yeah, I thought so. Before that, I had never had craft beers and I chose Punk IPA just out of curiosity. And it just blew my mind because I never knew beer could taste like that. That's how my craft beer journey began and it's been quite a journey. Not that Punk IPA is amongst my favorite IPAs, but it's close to my heart. Right. Second one was in 2018 when I had Newcastle-based Wylam's Jakehead American IPA on tap. I still remember how fresh those hop aromas were. Citrusy, juicy, with a soft mouthfeel. It was delicious. Any IPA you want to mention? Well, I've already spoken about Pliny the Elder, which uh, is my favorite IPA. But I want to mention two IPAs which are Indian. Mm. One is our own dead IPA for the simple fact that it was our first IPA that we brewed. And we launched our brand with that IPA. So dead IPA obviously has a great sentimental value. I was very nervous before the fest opened. And I remember that once the setup was ready, dead IPA was the first beer of ours that I tasted. And it literally calmed my nerves because I knew that we had a solid product. And of course, we made a second version of it for our first anniversary, which was also received very well. The second beer I want to talk about is Arbor's Beach Shack, which is my favorite bottled or canned IPA in India. Yeah, the style that began as an export to India is now being brewed by quite a few Indian craft breweries. And it's heartening to see there are quite a few bottled IPAs in market. White Rhino's IPA and Goa Brewing Company's Eight Finger Eddy are quite loved too. Yeah, I agree. That brings us to the end of episode 2 of To The Pint. Hope it helps you understand IPAs better and that you can recommend it to anybody who wishes to know more about this style. We are Two Down Beer Company. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and do share this podcast. Cheers.